since the barbaric Hamas attack on Israeli civilians. And now, signs of anti-Semitism are springing up in the United States and throughout civilized Western countries. What's the source of the world's oldest hatred? Stay with me, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. Hello, friends. Welcome to Open Line with Dr. Michael Wright Helmick, Moody Radio's Bible study across America. My name is Michael Wright Helmick. I'm academic dean at Moody Bible Institute, also professor of Jewish studies and Bible there. And I'm so glad to be sitting around the radio kitchen table with you, taking your questions about the Bible, God, and the spiritual life. If you have a question, now's the time to call. The phone number here is 877-548-3675. That's 877-548-3675. People always ask me, I tried to, they say, I tried to get in. I couldn't get in. I called and called and called. It was busy, busy, busy. Well, I'm going to give you the the secret of getting your question in, getting your call through, is call now at the beginning of the program. Always at the beginning of the hour, there's open lines, so now's the time to call. Again, the phone number is 877-548-3675. 877-548-3675. Trisha McMillan, our normal, regular producer, not here today, but sitting in for her, Gabby Turku, and also Courtney Young is here uh, handling all things with, with regard to engineering, all things technical. And Josie is answering the phones. Now, go get yourself a cup of coffee, open your Bible, because we're about to study the scriptures together. But before we get to your questions, let's talk about this explosion of anti-Semitism that we're seeing in the West. The attack on Israel by Hamas let the world see what Hamas really is. It's a nihilistic and murderous terror organization. It's not about liberating Palestinians. It's about destroying Israel. Its charter not only calls for the destruction of the Israeli state, but the genocide of Jewish people around the world. This organization, this terrorist group, is intrinsically anti-Semitic. And by the way, for anyone who says that Arab peoples are Semitic so they can't be anti-Semitic, they don't understand the meaning of the term. Anti-Semitism was coined by a German hater of Jewish people named Wilhelm Marr. The year was 1879. It is a, he was creating a pseudo-scientific way of saying Judenhass, or Jew hatred. It has nothing to do with people that speak Semitic languages like Arab peoples, and everything to do with hatred of the Jewish people. It is an exclusive term, meaning only hatred of the Jewish people. What's especially concerning to me is how immediately after the terror attack against Israel, groups in the Western world have come out in support of Hamas, despite their barbaric and murderous actions. It's as if there's some justification for murder or brutality dismemberment, rape, and decapitation of babies or soldiers. There's only justification for it because it was done to Jewish people. How heartless, how awful. Across the West, groups on university campuses have come out in favor of Hamas with little or mealy-mouthed repudiation by campus administration. On social media, People are misrepresenting the situation with vile statements like 
forgive Hitler for not finishing the job. Protest rallies are being held where signs call for the eradication of Israel, not the Hamas terror group. In Sydney, Australian protesters carried signs saying, gas the Jews. Protesters, both in public and on social media, make false charges that the Jewish people, who were victims of genocide, have now become guilty of it. One of the worst examples of systemic anti-Semitism is the way major media outlets believe the blood libel made by Hamas against the Jewish people. It happened when Palestinian Islamic Jihad launched a rocket against Israel that failed and landed in a Gaza hospital's parking lot. Immediately, the lying Hamas health authorities released a statement saying that the Israel Defense Forces had bombed the hospital and killed at least 500 Palestinian civilians. The news media believed the lie and published it without any skepticism. Only afterwards did it become clear that it was a failed Islamic Jihad rocket. It landed in a hospital parking lot, not on a hospital, and sadly it killed dozens of people, but not hundreds. Why would the media publish this without any skepticism? I'll tell you why. Because embedded, cynical, systemic hatred of the Jewish people believes any evil story concocted about them. So where does, where does this hatred of the Jewish people come from? The Bible reveals two factors that cause it. First of all, hatred of the people of Israel derives from the hatred of the God of Israel. Read Psalm 83, verses 1 through 5. Here's what it says. God, do not keep silent. Do not be deaf, O God. Do not be idle. See how your enemies make an uproar. Listen to this. Those who hate you have acted arrogantly. They devise clever schemes against your people. They conspire against your treasured ones. They say, come, let us wipe them out as a nation so that Israel's name will no longer be remembered. For they have conspired with one mind. They form an alliance against you. The psalmist says that the reasons the nations want to wipe out the people of Israel, and by the people of Israel, he means not the political nation state of Israel, but all the Jewish people. Here's their reason. Number one, they hate the God of Israel. See verse two. Number two, they conspire against Israel because they conspire against God. Verses three and five. And three, in attacking the Jewish people, they are in actuality forming an alliance against God. Verse five. Never forget the world's resentment that God chose and blessed the Jewish people. In fact, this passage describes the Jewish people as God's treasured ones. Still, there's a second reason for this hatred of the Jewish people, and it's the very force that drives the hatred of the God of Israel. Here's what it is. Secondly, hatred of the people of Israel is animated by satanic hatred of the people and God of Israel. In Revelation 12, there's a vision of a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. Verse 1. This description is designed to remind of Joseph's dreams in Genesis 37 and identify the woman as symbolic of Israel. The passage in Revelation 12 goes on to describe the, the genocidal attempt to destroy the woman, meaning the Jewish people at the end of days. And who does the passage describe as attacking the woman? None other 
than the great dragon, the ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan. Verse 9. This solves the mystery of anti-Semitism. It's Satan that's behind the world's oldest hatred, the hatred of the Jewish people. And why? Two reasons. One, Satan hates whom God loves. Jeremiah 31.3 says that God loves Israel with an everlasting love. No wonder Satan hates the Jewish people. Second, Satan wants to obstruct the plan of God. The Hebrew Bible predicted the coming of the King Messiah from the line of Judah. So Satan attempted the genocide of the Jewish people to prevent the first coming of the Messiah. Also, in, in Matthew 23, uh, 23, verses 37 through 39, the Lord Jesus said that he would not return at the end of the tribulation period until Israel welcomed him back with the words, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The Jewish people are the key to the second coming. If Satan can destroy the Jewish people, he could thereby obstruct the return of the Lord Jesus. Neither his past attempts nor will his future attempts work. Let me end with two takeaways. One, Jeremiah 31, 35-37 says God will always preserve his people Israel. Anti-Semitism will fail because God will protect and preserve Israel. And two, those of us who love the God of Israel because he redeemed us through the Messiah of Israel ought to be the loudest voices in defending and standing with the people of Israel. A specific way we can oppose the work of the enemy of our souls is to oppose his vicious hatred of the Jewish people. We're living in the time of the worst per capita terror attack in history. Friends, now is the time to raise our voices for the Lord to defend his people. Well, uh, I hope that's uh, something that, that really captures our souls and we remember this in this time when uh, people are, are just being brutal, terrible in their hatred of the Jewish people. Uh, now's the time to comfort, comfort my people. Well, we are going to take one call now. Uh, we're going to talk with Rena, and then we'll go take many more. We're going to talk to Renee in Greenacres, Florida, on WKKC. Welcome to Open Line, Renee. How can I help you today? Yes, my question is, uh, does uh, Ismael, uh, Sarah's idea of Abraham to have sex uh, with Agar, does this have anything to do with the war going on today, Hamas against the Israelites? You mean, uh, are the Arab peoples and the Palestinians descendants of Ishmael? Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I, that's a lot of people say that, but if you read the Bible really carefully, nowhere does it say that Ishmael is the father of the Arab peoples. Nowhere. It's not one place in the Bible. So where does this idea come from? I'm going to clue you in right now. The Quran, 2,700 years after Abraham, that's where this idea comes from, from a book that we wouldn't trust about anything. It was an intrinsic replacement approach. It was trying to say that God didn't choose Israel through Isaac and Jacob, but rather he chose the Arab peoples through Ishmael, and they made up the story 
that Ishmael is the father of the Arabs. So they retold the story with a made-up element. So no, it has nothing to do with the conflict today. Uh, I think the Israeli-Palestinian conflict really has its roots in the British rule where they made counter-promises in the early 20th century to Jewish people and to Arab peoples. And I think that's the source of it. So anyway, thanks for your call. We're going to take a break here. This is uh, Michael Radelnik. The name of this program is Open Line. We're going to take your questions about the Bible, God, and the spiritual life. The phone number here, if you have a question, is 877-548-3675. Now's the time to call, and we'll be back in just a moment with more of your questions. So stay right there. Delnick and the program is called Open Line, and really it's an open line. You can give us a call, 877-548-3675. Call with any question you might have about the Bible, God, or the spiritual life. You can check out our webpage, openlineradio.org. It has all sorts of links. One of the links that I think is really helpful that's there now is a Pray for Israel link. Uh, Moody Radio has uh, put together a page with resources to understand what's going on and how to pray for Israel. One of the people I want to, one of the aspects of prayer, we're praying for Israel for comfort. We're praying for Israel for uh, protection. We're praying for Israel for, actually, the I, I'm praying, I don't know about you, but I'm praying that this wicked group, Hamas, would either repent or be defeated. That's uh, That's how I'm praying. But also, I pray for the Palestinians. It's really important there are Palestinian civilians in Gaza, and Israel has told them to go to the south, and Hamas is blocking their exit. And so they're, they are going to be in the line of fire because Hamas wants to embed within uh, the population so they can have human shields because they don't care about their own people either. So uh, I'm praying for the Palestinians to be able to get to safety. So that's those are some of the things I'm praying for. You know... Uh, I want to tell you about the resource we have. Uh, And I think part of the reason I think it's so important is we need to understand God's word. I think if we understand God's word, we'd understand God's heart for Israel. But so often, people struggle to understand the word of God. And so we're offering a great resource now. It's Pastor Colin Smith's book, Ten Keys for Unlocking the Bible. It's a small book, but it gives us a big picture, a big understanding of how to read the Bible. Uh, This book can... Uh, really help us unlock a deeper understanding of the scriptures. It'll get more, we'll get more of our, more out of the Bible when we spend time in the Word. And I think that's what we have to do on a daily basis. And it's yours, this little book is yours when you give a gift of any size to Open Line. It's just our way of saying thank you for your generosity. If you'd like to give a gift, remember, ask for 10 Keys for Unlocking the Bible. Here's where you call, 888 644-7122 or go to openlineradio.org and remember when you give be sure to ask for 10 keys for unlocking the Bible we're going to talk next with Rebecca in Minnesota listening on the app hey Rebecca how can I help you today Oh, Dr. Idelic thank you for taking my call first of all I want to say I can't even 
hardly talk because I, I'm in mourning with Israel and uh, all that's transpired. Thank you for keeping us up to date and your tip on um, Times of Israel. Thank you for that. I'm wondering, how, where do we go to give right now? Um, I There's lots of, of people that are sending me things, give to Israel, give to Israel, but would you tell mm-hmm. me? What are the best place to give in order to support our brothers yeah. and sisters in Israel? Well, there's a lot of really good places, and I don't want to say that I know only the ones, but I, I think if you will go to the Pray for Israel link on the openlineradio.org page, uh, okay. uh, there's three places listed. One is called Magen David Adom which sounds like a Hebrew phrase. It is. It, it means the Red Star of David. It's the Israeli version of the Red Cross. Uh, it's a member okay. of the International Red Cross. And they are doing excellent work right now and uh, need help. And they will need more help as the war progresses. So that's one place. Second place, providing... Uh, a lot of relief and help, food for people who are, you know, there's, most people aren't talking about this, but Israel has moved the people from the south into the center of the country, and now there's been a movement of people from the north, and they are displaced, and they're in the center of the country because there's a danger, well, there's rockets coming from Hezbollah in Lebanon. So there are a lot of people displaced. They need uh, help, and there's an organization that brings the good news to Jewish people, but they're providing all sorts of relief right now. It's Chosen People Ministries. It's an organization I love. They're an underwriter for our program. But also, uh, I came to the Lord through this ministry. It's a great ministry. And so Chosen People Ministries, that's listed under the Pray for Israel page. And then uh, okay. there's the, uh, I think it's called the Joshua Project is listed there. It's Joel Rosenberg, the, the uh, novelist that you may have read or heard about. He's a Messianic Jew that now lives in Israel. Uh, he's got uh, an organization that provides uh, uh, not just financial, but but relief support, uh, generally okay. speaking, to the poor in Israel, uh, both Arabs okay. and Jews, and they are now uh, gathering uh, uh, help. So those are three org. There are many other good organizations. I don't want to limit it to this, but these are three that Moody yeah. has posted uh, and believes in. And w- the reason we believe in them is we know the money goes to what we're giving it to. So, okay, the, awesome. the, well, the, 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 the second and third ones are organizations of believers in, in Yeshua, in Jesus. The first one is just yeah. a Jewish organization, but not a believing organization, but it is certainly a worthwhile uh, and important agency. Okay? okay? Okay, thank you so much. From this Gentile to my brother, Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Thanks for your call. I really appreciate yeah. it. Uh, Tom in Chattanooga, Tennessee is listening on WMBW. Welcome to Open Light, Tom. How can I help you? Hi. Hey, uh, I've got a question for you. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, I, I, I've gotten a uh, advanced directive for medical care, and uh, I got thinking about it, and I thought about do not resuscitate orders and stuff like that. But I started thinking, well, I wonder if, if it's a good thing for Christians to have those uh, where you're sort of saying, uh, I know what's best for me. And, uh, you know, sometimes the Lord has something in mind where he puts you into a, a, a rough situation. Uh, so I was just wondering what what does the Bible say uh, 
about uh, that sort of thing of where you're trying to avoid, you know, a long period of what's in some ways, you know, we, you might be in a vegetative state or something, you know, yeah. but anyway, what's your, what's, what's your opinion and what does the Bible say about that? Well, when it comes to euthanasia, the Bible is really clear. God is the author of life. He gives life. He, he's, he knows the day of our death. It is all clear. I think that that is uh, one of the reasons that since God is the author of life, uh, we never embrace euthanasia or mercy killing uh, because th- that takes the role of God and puts it into our hands. However, do not resuscitate orders are distinct from uh, mercy killing. Do not resuscitate orders are times when it seems that the Lord has taken a person and then uh, there's medical means to try and keep someone in a vegetative state or a coma. And uh, it is uh, generally not like, for example, if there's a young person uh, or a middle-aged person that has a lot of life, um, there might, and they go into cardiac arrest, of course they will resuscitate. But, you know, sometimes there's some of us who are certain age or, uh, or certain condition of you know where where it's really clear that the person has a uh, a condition where it's clear that death is is ensuing and uh, at, at that at those times I think it is it is not taking a life but allowing God to to bring the person uh, home so to speak uh, I don't think uh, it's a, there's anything wrong with issuing a do not resuscitate form and and allowing God to work at the appropriate time. That's different than taking a life. It is allowing God to, to, to bring the person, uh, to bring for the Lord to bring that person home. Okay? Right. Thank you. Okay. I hope that helps. Good. Uh, and I hope, I hope you don't have to have a do not resuscitate order. I hope you're feeling okay. Sorry about that, Tom. Uh, I am uh, going to speak next with Michael in Dayton, Ohio, listening to WFCJ. Welcome to Open Line, Michael. How can I help you? Hi, Dr. Rydelnik. Um, <clears throat> could you give that passage you read at the beginning, again, the, the, where it's at in the scriptures? And I, I was picking up on, you were talking about God protecting his people, mm-hmm. and by inference, that's not only Jews, but also Christians. Uh, no, wait, wait, wait. We... Uh, wait, 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 wait. How do you make that inference? Well, we are grafted into Abraham, right? No. No? No. In Romans 11, when it talks about being grafted in, it's not being grafted into Israel. Israel are the natural branches. You're not grafted right. into the natural branches. You're grafted into the trunk. What's the trunk? The trunk is the new covenant. We are grafted into the new covenant. Oh, okay. Um, We're not. We don't become but, but, Israel. G- Gentiles right, who believe in Jesus that. do not become Israel. Right. I understand that, but he's he's making one man, one new man out of two. Right. Yeah, but that's not what the per- verse I cited. That's talking about okay. the church. Okay. Okay. But to get back to the main part of my question is. Well, it's important. Uh, Let let me tell you why I stopped you. A lot of people want to take the promises that God made to Israel and say, oh, they they actually belong to the church. And we have to be very careful. They can apply to the church from time to time. Uh, But I think we want to be really careful when we read the scriptures, when it talks about the Jewish people 
And here's the verse I didn't read, but I'm going to read it to you now, okay? Uh, yeah. This is what the Lord says. This is Jeremiah 31, 35. This is what the Lord says. The one who gives the sun for light by day, the fixed order of moon and stars for light by night, who stirs up the sea and makes its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. Now he's talking about the sun, moon, and stars as having a fixed order. And then he says in verse 36, if this fixed order departs from my presence, this is the Lord's declaration, then also Israel's descendants will cease to be a nation before me forever. This is what the Lord says. If the heaven above can be measured and the foundations of the earth below explored, then I will reject all of Israel's descendants because of all they have done. This is the Lord's declaration. Let me tell you what God is saying. If we can stop the sun, moon, and stars from shining, if we can measure the heavens, which we can't, or search out the core of the earth, which we can't, if we can do all these impossible things, then we can cause the nation of Israel to cease to exist. What this is saying is not that individual Jewish people won't ever die. Of course, that's ridiculous. We just saw 1,400 Jewish people die and more, maybe up to 1,800. But what we do know this is the people of Israel, Am, Am Yisrael Chai, the people of Israel will live because the God of Israel lives and he has promised it. I hope that helps. Thanks for your call. We're going to be right back with the mailbag, so don't go away. This is Michael Radelnik and Open Line. Welcome back. This is Michael Radelnik, and this program is called Open Line. Since Trish is away, Courtney Young is coming in here with the FEBC mailbag. We're so grateful that the Far East Broadcasting Company is partnering with Moody Radio to bring you Open Line. You can always get a deeper perspective on how the gospel is advancing in the world's most unreached countries through the weekly podcast, Until All Have Heard. And it's hosted by Wayne Shepherd, but the person who's talking throughout the program is Ed Cannon, my dear friend and the president of FEBC. All the details for this program and much more about FEBC's extensive outreach can be found at febc.org. That's F-E-B-C, febc.org. Hey, Court, how are you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. How are you today, Michael? I'm doing very well, thank you. You know, uh, I was talking with Mark Job, the president of Moody Bible Institute, and here's what he was saying. He finds it amazing that major donors are pulling their support from Ivy League and very impressive universities because of their unwillingness to condemn the... Well, it's not even that universities need to enter in to talk about uh, Hamas. But when student groups embrace and support the murder and mayhem caused by Hamas and the administration is just saying, well, so be it. You know, we don't have to address that. Uh, major donors are pulling their funding. Wow. Yeah, and I think Understandably. That's understandable, right. And so I was talking about it with Dr. Jove, and he said, you know, Moody has had a Jewish studies program for 100 years. Yeah. 
And we, like even that very first week after the attack, we had a special uh, assembly for the entire school, not just the student body, employees, faculty, to uh, understand the situation. I was able to to be there and have the uh, deputy consul general of the Israeli consulate here in the Midwest present. Uh, we prayed for our students who are, we have a couple of Israeli students that had to go back because they were called up by the reserves to go to Israel and they're, they're getting ready for battle right now. Uh, so we prayed for them. We prayed for Israel. We prayed for the Palestinians to get out of the line of fire and that Hamas would let them go. Uh, we, the thing is, Moody has a, a, such a heritage of uh, loving the Jewish people and standing with Israel that yeah. I, I think it's really exceptional. Uh, and uh, you know what that makes me think of? It's one of the reasons why I think uh, that if, if you listen to this program and appreciate what we do at Moody re- with regard to Israel and the Jewish people, uh, that's the time to become a kitchen table partner. Uh, it's it's helps support what we do, not just the school, but also radio, because we have got the Stand with Israel or Pray for Israel uh, website uh, through Moody Radio that I mentioned. You can get it through the link at openlineradio.org. There's all those things. Uh, it would it would just mean so much to us if you would say yes, we appreciate that stance, and I'm going to commit to give monthly to Openline so that. Uh, Moody can keep on a daily and weekly basis doing what we do, and particularly here on the radio where we teach the word. Uh, so, uh, what we're going to do is, I'm just going to let you know if you want to become a, a, a kitchen table partner, uh, I'll send you every other week, and this is where you come in, Courtney. Uh, every other week, I send a Bible study moment, and I record it with you, Court. Yep. Right. Yep. It's kind of our yeah. um, one-on-one hangout time too. Yeah. Right. You know, right. We do it usually on a day that we're not, you know, doing a live show, and so yeah. I just appreciate that time with you when we get to do that. So. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I, one of my favorite things is when I do a Bible study moment, and you say, "Oh, that was good. I hadn't thought about that," <laughs> yeah. because I'm, I'm, I'm always wondering what in the world are people going to think when I do a Bible study moment. So, uh, but we send out. A, it's an audio Bible study. Uh, Courtney puts it together with me. And uh, we send it to you, and it's designed exclusively for our kitchen table partners. And so if you want to become a kitchen table partner, call 888-644-7122 or sign up online at openlineradio.org. We so, so appreciate it. well, Court, do you have a bunch of questions for me from the mailbag? I do. I know Trisha put it together, but you get she to, did, and she yeah. and, and in the break, I'm gonna full disclosure, America and the world. Um, he said we're gonna try to get through seven of them today, so yeah. you know well, that's two hours, right? I, yeah. yeah, okay, that's yeah. for both hours, but you know yeah. the pressure's on, Michael. Here we go. Okay. Okay. Um, first question is Robin on Facebook asked um, this terrible nightmare happening in Israel and now Palestine is causing many questions for me. Why has Israel been persecuted? continuously throughout time up until the present? Well, Robin, that's a good question. And one of the things that I mentioned in my opening word, and you know, a lot of times people hear that question, but they miss the opening word at the start of the program. You can go back and listen to it on the Moody Radio app. You can listen to it on uh, online. You can get the podcast, however you want to listen to it. You can go back and listen to today's opening word. And what that was about was that people who hate the God of Israel 
hate the people of Israel. That's Psalm 83, verses 1 through 5. And secondly, Revelation 12 was the passage I talked about, was that Satan, who persecutes Israel in Revelation 12, it's clearly a satanic hatred because Satan hates whom God loves, and also because Israel plays such a significant role in the plan of God, uh, the the idea is that Satan wants to obstruct the plan of God by trying to persecute Israel and even eradicate Israel. So that's what it is. I'm sorry, my okay. mic was off. Yeah, good, good. And go. A good recap so, from, from yeah. earlier today, too. Yeah, yeah so, these were questions also from uh, earlier in the week. Yeah, so. I know. So, yeah. <clears throat> I anticipated that question by doing that opening word. Yeah. Oh, so, good yeah. job. Yeah. Um, okay, so the thank you for that, Robin. Um, the second question we have is from Jane from West Michigan off of Facebook as well. Can you please address these accusations of colonization and explain some of the his- history of Israel and Palestine? Why do we say to people who make... What do we say to people who make this argument? I don't even know where to go to learn accurate history about settlements. I know Israel pulled out of Gaza in 2005, but what about the West Bank? And I'm prepared for the people in my life. I want to be prepared um, for the people in my mm-hmm. life who might say these things. Well, there's an, uh, an older book. It's about uh, f- uh, 15 years old now, uh, so it's, it hasn't covered the last few years. But it, it, I think in many respects would answer these questions. Uh, it's called Understanding the Arab-Israeli Conflict. Mm. And so if you want to go to a book, uh, uh, Modesty forbids me from mentioning the name of the author, but it's a Moody Publishers <laughs> book. And, uh, I it think was it you, wasn't it? It was you. Yeah, it was and... me. It was me. <laughs> but anyway, it's, that will help. And also I will uh, uh, be revising that this summer, updating it with some of the... Oh, excellent. Uh, yeah, more th- recent issues. Uh, secondly... A lot of times people don't understand that uh, calling Israel a settler colonial or colonization place, they're talking about all of Israel. They're not talking about the West Bank or Gaza. They're, they're, they are saying that, that Israel is a colonial project. And there's a lot of things I can say about that. But first of all, it's the uh, homeland of the, uh, the Jewish people are the indigenous people of this land. Uh, they were expelled, but there's always been a presence of Jewish people in the land of Israel. Uh, even after the diaspora, the, the expulsion of the Jewish people, there always remained some. Uh, Jewish people also who were in the diaspora never forgot, always wanted to return, always did return. So it's really important that we remember that. Also, a lot of times people don't realize that uh, the land of Israel, as it was called from the Roman times, from 135 A.D. to modern times. It was called Palestine to get rid of the Jewish presence, the Jewish name. They called it after the Philistines. But nevertheless, uh, even with that, there's always been a Jewish presence. And by the time we come to the end of the 19th century, when the Jewish people began to return, Palestine, as it was called then, was underpopulated. There were only about 200,000 people in the land. And what happened is Jewish people returned. And when they returned, they uh, they rebuilt the land. They irrigated the, the desert. They cleared the swamps in the north. They made the land arable. Uh, they built industry. They did all these things, and it made it a, a growing economy. And as a result of growing the economy, uh, Arab peoples from the Mediterranean basin came and, and lived in the land. They came illegally, but they came nonetheless 
in droves because of the growing economy. And as a result, uh, you could say that the Jewish population and the, the Palestinian Arab population was, were both immigrant populations. And, and so this whole idea of a, the, you know, that the Jewish people came and stole the land from mm-hmm. the Palestinians, just not true. Just not true. It is propaganda. Yeah. Uh, it's not historically sound, historically accurate. Uh, and so w- part of the thing is that you have to be really careful when people say these things. And even the, the settlements uh, that are talked about in the West Bank, I'm not sure how wise they were, but they are there. And moreover, it is disputed territory. It's never, it's never really been uh, the, the, the borders where these settlements are have never been determined. That's supposed to have been negotiated, and the Palestinians have always refused to negotiate the, the, the border. And so... Uh, there are a lot of things I could say. Get that book. I think it'll help. Okay? Excellent. All right. Well, thank you, Jane, for that question. You want to do one more quick one? Yeah, I can do it quickly. Okay. Um, Sherry from Ohio, listening on WCRF, um, she's referring to Zephaniah 1-2, which says, I will completely sweep away everything from the face of the earth. This is the Lord's declaration. Is the sweeping away spoken of literal, and is it yet to occur, quote, for the whole earth? Mm-hmm. Let me just say that this is one of those questions that the Moody Bible Commentary answers really well. The word sweeping away is really understood to be literal, and it's referring to the end of days when God's going to sweep away everything from the whole earth. That's what it means. And uh, it's, it's sort of a, a, a metaphor for his judgment on the whole world. And uh, that's what uh, Zephaniah 1, 2, and 3 are about. Then from 1-4 through the rest of the chapter, it's talking more about the Babylonian uh, destruction that's coming. It's also called the Day of the Lord. And really what I think is happening in this passage is there's a Day of the Lord, the end of days coming, and a mini Day of the Lord, which was the Babylonian destruction. And basically what Zephaniah is saying is when you look at the Day of the Lord, if you want to understand what it's going to be like, we have a mini example of it with the Babylonian destruction that came afterwards gotcha. uh, after in the next passage. So you, if we want to know what the future day of the Lord is about, we can look at the past, at the Babylonian day of the Lord, when God sweeps away everything. But when it talks about the whole earth, it means the whole earth, because it's the judgment of God's going to fall on the whole earth in the future tribulation period or the day of the Lord. So, okay. All right, perfect. Well, yeah. thank you. Good explanation of that in the Moody Bible Commentary, and so I would encourage you to take a look at it right there. Anyway, we're, we're going to take a break. Thank you, Court, thank for you. Uh, putting this together. That was the FEBCD mailba- BC mailbag, and we're going to come back with more of your calls in just a moment. You're listening to Open Line with Michael Rydell. That was Courtney Young, our engineer and stand-in question asker today. We're going to be right back, so don't go away. I am Michael Ray Delnick, and uh, we're taking your questions about the Bible, God, and the spiritual life. The phone number, uh, we, we only have one segment left this hour, but we've got a whole other hour, so now's the time to call in 877-548-3675. You know, and, uh, what, uh, what's going on in Israel, I think, should really develop a heart for Israel, 
uh, a compassion for Israel, uh, prayer for Israel. And one of the things Chosen People Ministries is offering a, uh, a coffee table book with pictures of Israel and a ways to understand that nation much better. If you're interested in this lovely, wonderful photographic book of of a uh, coffee table book of photos of Israel, uh, you can go to the Open Line website and get this uh, book of photos of Israel. And uh, it's all you have to do is go to openlineradio.org. That's our website, not Chosen People. Scroll down, and you'll see a link that says a free gift from Chosen People Ministries. When you uh, get to that link, it will open up, and you can sign up for your own copy of this kitchen, not kitchen, coffee table-sized book, which is a wonderful book of photos of Israel, which will give you a real heart and express, help you to express your prayers uh, for Israel. Uh, and so that's, uh, that's something that I would really encourage you to get. It's a great little book. Uh, well, we're going to go to the phones right now. We're going to talk to Mike in Rango, Illinois, listening to WMBI. Welcome to Open Line, Mike. How can I help you? Uh, first off, I thank you for your opening comments on how we're framing up the world events and God's plan. I always laugh when I sometimes think, well, God wasn't surprised by that. We're more yeah. surprised by it. But ultimately, it's God's in control and got the hand on this thermostat. So I'm grateful for that. Uh, my question, um, in today in Moody's uh, study this week, uh, month in Nehemiah, there was uh, Thursday's edition was Nehemiah 8. 13 through 18, talking about the Festival of Booths. I'd like to just understand, you know, the depth of what really that means and how long that span of time was they did the festival. And I, I know it was something that was bringing about uh, obedience, but, you know, what are your comments related to the festival? It says, They found written in the law how the Lord had commanded through Moses that the Israelites should dwell in booths during the festival of the seventh month. So they proclaimed and spread this news throughout their towns. Go to the hill country and bring back branches of olive wood, wild olive, myrtle, palm, and other leafy trees to make booths, just as it is written. And it goes back to the Torah. If you want to know where in the Torah, one place in the Torah that it mentions it is Leviticus chapter 23. Uh, in Leviticus 23, uh, it says in verse uh, 33, that Moses told the Israelites the festival of booths to tell the Israelites the festival of booths to the Lord begins on the 15th day of the seventh month and continues for seven days. There's to be a sacred assembly on the first day. You're not to do any daily work. And then there's also to be sacrifices. No more sacrifices today because there no longer is a temple or a tabernacle. On the eighth day, you hold a sacred assembly and present an offering. Uh, and what it is, Israel was to live in booths twofold. One, it was a festival celebrating God's provision. It was an agricultural festival. It was the first Thanksgiving, so to speak. Uh, and so they were to eat in their booths and, and dwell in those. And it was to remember God's provision in the wilderness. Uh, it's called Chag Asif, the festival of ingathering, because that's the time of harvest. Secondly, and that's what the Puritans were doing, by the way. The pilgrims, when they came to America and had Thanksgiving, they were trying to copy what God said about the Festival of Booths. Secondly, we lived in booths because Jewish people, we don't, we like to camp in Hilton hotels. So what God did is he said, no, I want you to remember how I provided for you in the wilderness when you lived there 40 years with booths. 
And so to, it was a historical festival as well to remember God's provision in the past to encourage us that he will always provide for us. That's what the Festival of Booths was about. And that's what they did when they came back into the land after the captivity. So I hope that helps, Mike. Thanks for your call. Uh, we're going to speak next with Rachel in Delray, Florida, de- listening on WKKC. Welcome to Open Line, Rachel. How can I help you? Yes. Okay. I was thinking about anti-Semitism. And with Jesus, when he was talking to Pilate, Pilate said to them, said to him, asked him, Are you, do you want me to let them kill you? And Jesus said, no man takes my life. I lay my life down. Now, would saying something like that to people who were persecuting the Israelites because they killed Jesus, would that help? Well, first of all, the, the, the source of much of historic anti-Semitism in the church has been this allegation of Jews being Christ killers. Uh, there's a couple of things that I would say about it. First of all, it was in John 10 that Jesus said, no man takes my life, but I lay it down willingly. Uh, to Pilate, uh, he actually said, uh, uh, the one who delivered me up to you has the greater guilt. Now, how do we square those two things? Uh, first of all, I would say that there's such a thing as human guilt, but the mistake that the church made is they saw it all-encompassing, that all Jews for all time were guilty when it was actually a small group of Jewish people who participated with Gentiles. Here's the, here's the verse that I would point to, Acts 4, 27 through 28. They were gathered together in the city, both Pontius Pilate and Herod, those are a Jewish uh, king, Herod, Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles, that's the Roman soldiers, and the people of Israel, the Sanhedrin and the crowd, to do together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. There was a conspiracy of guilt of Jews and Gentiles who put the Lord Jesus to death. And moreover, it was all part of God's plan, which is why the Lord Jesus said, no one takes my life. I lay it down willingly. We should never persecute anyone, especially the Jewish people, for God's provision of atonement through the Messiah. It was his loving decision. So I think you're onto something there, Rachel. Thanks for that. Well, that's the hour. Uh, second hour of Open Lines coming up straight ahead. Check out our webpage, openlineradio.org. has all the links you're looking for, uh, whether it's our current resource or how to become a kitchen table partner. Second hour of Open Line coming up straight ahead with more of your questions. Open Line with Dr. Michael Rajelnik is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.